Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Alexander Haskell. He's a licensed naturopathic physician in Utah with over 34 years of experience. His general practice is really focusing on the investigation and treatment of underlying causes of chronic conditions rather than simply addressing symptoms and patching them up, something we talk a lot about on this show. He sincerely believes in the innate, miraculous healing capacity within everyone and really is just so adamant about educating the client, which is so important. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by your work and what you're doing now in a variety of capacities, and we'll get into that. But let's first talk about how you educate people by using symbols. Can you go through that with us? Uh, yeah, so there's a few way, uh, ways that I try to educate people. One is that I've written several books. Uh, a couple of them are free, so they read about uh, my approach, my point of view about this innate wisdom within the body that everyone possesses and how we simply need to sort of tap into that wisdom, assist it by removing from the body what the, what the body is trying to eliminate through purification, detoxification, and then supporting this wisdom with nutrition and various IVs and some psychology and uh, various ways to uh, allow the body to do what it does best, and that's to heal. And I've really believe in the point of view that symptoms are the means or the language of communicating to us that something is out of balance. And instead of masking these symptoms or suppressing them in various ways with over-the-counter and pharmaceuticals, we need to tease out these symptoms and clarify why the body is a little bit out of regulation, out of uh, homeostasis or balance. And that's the general approach that I take with, with everyone the, the symbols that I use to help explain a few things, one has to do with the body's total burden of toxins. And this is, I use the example of an empty bowl, which is what we're born with. And over time, that bowl becomes filled with various, both environmental toxins and also the toxins that are produced by our own cells, by their own waste products or metabolism. And when the bowl becomes filled up to that point, a person is feeling fairly well, a little bit of symptoms here and there. But when the bowl is full and starts spilling over the side, this is when chronic symptoms appear. And usually at this point, it's a functional issue. The body's not able to detoxify. And most labs that, that are run are not going to show the reason, some biochemical reason. So the doctor just says, everything looks normal. You're fine. This must be stress, maybe psychological. And then they're taking down an allopathic path, which eventually leads to, to some kind of medication. Or eventually, if this goes on for too long, then they will appear as pathology or as uh, showing up on, on regular blood tests. That's one symbol that I use with people. On that note, um, it's really interesting because I had, a, if you many years ago did a general CBC on me, lipid panel, uh, any doctor would look at it and go, you're doing great. 
keep on trucking on. But when I went to a functional doctor and we looked deeper, I was about to have a heart attack and a stroke at the age of 42. So, you know, it's just very interesting because I had excess fibrinogen, very high, and I was pre-diabetic. And so, you know, even a CBC, right, you can get that result and the doctor says you're doing great and then you're not feeling right. You still, something's off, right? And so that's when we've got to dig deeper because once I fixed the underlying stagnancy of what had built up over time and cleared it out, wow, it, it was like a new day. And I remember having that moment of like, oh no, what if I hadn't dug deeper, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there, you know, there's so many really what appear to be simple simple therapies or things people can do to start feeling better. And, you know, we briefly talked about mitochondria and, you know, simply intermittent fasting or doing a juice cleanse for a few days is going to activate those pathways or the detoxification of, of our cells. Um, and I'm sure you'll want to get into more of that, but you're right. Saunas, I mean, people would feel hundred, not hundred, but much better just getting toxins out through the skin. That's going to be one pathway of, the body able to eliminate these toxins. So yeah, discovering these issues is one thing. Yeah. So if you're not exercising and sweating, then, you know, you don't have to, you can just go into a sauna. In fact, I joined a gym specifically with the sauna because I had high mercury and I knew that I wanted that to be a part of the process, even though I also exercise and sweat. Um, Yeah. Mitochondrial function, ATP, this is a big subject right now in our industry all over because metabolic syndrome is just rampant, type two diabetes, insulin resistance. And I myself had mitochondrial dysfunction, you know, after uh, with, with some of those things I just mentioned, plus, you know, untreated hypothyroidism for years and turned it around. But um, let's talk about mitochondria because these powerhouses are really important to optimize, to try to make more of. Tell us, first of all, I guess, just explain to people in layman's terms, you know, what is mitochondria, uh, what are mitochondria and why should we care so much about them? Yeah. So as you mentioned, the mitochondria, they, they have a lot of different functions. They actually produce free radicals to some extent because those free radicals are important inside the cell. They also produce glutathione and other sort of antioxidants. But their main function is really to produce the energy within the cell to drive that cell's function. So the mitochondria and a, a thyroid cell are helping the thyroid cells to make thyroid hormones and the adrenals is to make cortisol. And a lot of, you know, this is, uh, it's amazing to me that the deeper I get into understanding the human being, uh, the more miraculous it becomes because, you know, we're made anywhere like 40 trillion cells and our, our health is really a reflection of the total sum of the health of all those trillions of cells. And some cells have just a couple of mitochondria and those are fat cells. Other cells brain and liver, heart have hundreds of mitochondria in a single cell. And, the, and their, their production of energy, again, is the most important uh, the mitochondrial function of producing what is called in the Krebs cycle ATP or energy. And that drives the, the health of that cell. So I don't know if that was layman's terms, but, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, let's talk about some environmental toxins and, you know, which disrupt mitochondrial yeah. function. I know heavy metals is one. There are many people that get disrupted or get ignited with Hashimoto's by living in a place with black mold. That has happened many times. I've seen that. Mm. Um, so I'd love to 
talk about that because everyone listening, regardless of whether you are feeling symptoms or not right now, it would behoove one to go look into optimizing detoxification and cleaning up so that these things don't happen. But let's talk about some environmental toxins. Uh, a lot of the environmental toxins um, are petroleum-based. In other words, they they are lipophilic. They love fat. They're fat soluble. And and if the body, you know, cannot get rid of so we ingest them through food or, or water, whatever it may be, we also absorb them into the skin. So people really have to be careful about what they're putting on their skin because it will get into the body. Also what we breathe, all these are avenues of getting these toxins inside the body. The body will do its best. I don't know how it knows this. It'll do its best to get them out primarily through the liver and sometimes the kidneys if they're water soluble. But the body says, okay, we've got to get these toxins out of the, bo- out of the body. The liver's not functioning all that well. Let's shunt them into cells. And the body's intelligence says, I'll try to save my nervous system, neurological system, my brain, and my reproductive. Let's put them in less important cells, which are primarily fat cells. But once they're inside the cell, to get them out again re- requires an active transport. It requires energy. And if there's a low production of ATP by these mitochondria, they cannot completely detoxify the cells. And it's really a downward spiral kind of uh, activity that happens and people's health just declines because they're having symptoms which are not going to show up on labs. So the focus, so a person has hypothyroidism, low uh, thyroid hormone production, ideally you're going to feed the thyroid with various nutrients. And you're going to also try to speed up mitochondria to excrete toxins from inside the cells so they can then be involved with the assembly of these thyroid hormones. Yeah, it's amazing how the domino effect of things can happen. And we'll get into nutrient deficiencies for a minute. But other than some environmental toxins, we all need to clean out parabens and all sorts of junk from what we put on our body. But let's talk about some, you know, low-grade chronic systemic infections. You know, a lot of people are getting uh, bacteria, mold, all of that. But, you know, we see people getting SIBO, H. pylori, issues with the gut that can't necessarily be resolved completely through diet. So I'd love you to just touch on some of these low-grade systemic infections. You know, some people are walking around, they're not even aware <laughs> that, they, that there's something significant to fix. Yeah, because because they are chronic. You know, acute. We know what what's happening because the body will respond with you know, increase of of body temperature and other symptoms, aches and pains and sweating. All those responses that the body uh, so capable, and most people so capable of to fight the infection. But if oftentimes if it's not completely resolved, or let's say antibiotics are used, which kills off ninety percent, you still got some bacteria that's not that was insensitive to the antibiotics and they will, they will um, increase their, their population will increase. The person has various symptoms, primarily fatigue is the symptom that most people experience with a low grade chronic systemic infection that's in the blood. And that's not going to be picked up on a typical lab test unless the doctor's looking at um, white blood cells and looking at some white cells that are higher than other ones. So the, the best tool that I know of is the use of a dark field microscope, looking at a, a tiny finger prick of blood under the microscope. And uh, these bacteria in the blood, you can also see mold in the blood, but viruses are too small, but the white blood cells have a certain appearance to look like they're pregnant. But the bacteria themselves in the blood are aerobic. They need air. 
or oxygen. And they will latch or stick onto the red cell membrane, kind of like a scuba tank. And you can't initially see these bacteria in the blood under the dark field until you crush some red cells. And then the bacteria come off or out of, if they're spirochetes, they'll come out of the red blood cell. And then it's very apparent the degree to which the person is having one underlying issue of pathogens. There's usually other underlying issues, but that's one area that I tend to focus on. There's three areas I tend to focus on when people come in. One is how much are your symptoms due to your cells not getting enough nutrients? So nutritional deficiencies, digestive issues, assimilation problems. That's one category that we investigate. Second is environmental toxins, their exposure, their total body burden. And the third is looking for systemic bacterial infections because these bacteria require nutrients, which they're stealing from the blood. They're also giving off their waste products referred to as biotoxins or exo or endotoxins. And those themselves will put a person's uh, state, their body into a state of alarm that cause inflammation. Those biotoxins are another toxin or insult that gets inside of cells and leads to mitochondrial dysfunction. Let's talk a little bit about nutrient deficiencies. I myself had a selenium deficiency and a CoQ10 deficiency around the time, not too long before I developed a reverse T3 problem, and I'm sure there were some other factors there. But um, it's really, really important, especially when we've been eating a crappy diet, living a toxic life. And um, like you said, some things might not be able to be absorbed well, even when we are taking um, nutrients and supplements, whether it's through food or another way. Um what are some of the things you've seen that have been um, a, a little bit of a shocker? Like, for example, you know, someone who had a, an issue and it, oh, my God, it all boiled down to these two stupid things that they could have optimized. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's something dumb. <laughs> a lot of times it's ferritin. A lot of times it's iron storage with thyroid people. And that's just the last component they need to get things to work right. But no one thinks to test it. So I'm just wondering what a few, you know, you've seen where um, there might have been a case where just a, a one or two nutrient deficiencies really wreaked havoc. Yeah, I can think of a lot of different situations. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's challenging to figure out nutrient deficiencies. You've got to go to some extent by symptoms. Looking at labs helps. Usually, if there's a, I don't know if this is too much information, but that conversion of the the T4 to T3, if there's an issue, and you see. T4 levels are fine, but T3s are, are low. Then you're looking at usually a selenium deficiency because that enzyme that for conversion requires selenium. Uh, often neurological issues uh, are due to B6 deficiency. So we'll often challenge. We'll often like this one lady came in with, she would be okay during the day, a little bit of trembling in her hands, but by nighttime around 7 o'clock, she just started, her hands and arms just started shaking for like an hour. This is happening every single night for probably like six months. And so I just gave her a simple intramuscular injection of B6, and she came in the next day and said, I don't believe it. And I had no issues at all. So this happens. We'll sometimes do a challenge with B12 or different B vitamins and kind of just let the body you know, respond and, and give us information. Yeah. Um, not to get into a huge thyroid conversation, but you have helped so many people with Hashimoto's. You're very uh, well-versed in it. And even though we've probably talked about thyroid on the podcast a bunch uh, because of myself, I'd love to just hear... Um, some of your thoughts about Hashimoto's because, you know, it just seems like it's a little bit on the increase getting ignited with people. Yeah, it, it really is. So I, I wrote a book, it's been probably 10 years when I wrote that book on Hashimoto's. And what I, what I came to realize is that, so, so thyroid cells, 
they produce thyroid hormones, but they must be told to make thyroid hormones. So the hormone produced in the brain is called TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone. It comes to the circulation, comes down and binds to receptors on the thyroid, the membrane of the thyroid cell. And it binds it at two places. One is that it opens up a channel or symport that allows iodide to be absorbed into the thyroid cell. The other receptor that TSH binds to tells the thyroid cell to make hydrogen peroxide, which converts iodide into iodine. The issue in this epidemic now is that women primarily, for various reasons they have more deficiencies than, than men, is that they're not getting enough of these nutrients, iodide, selenium, zinc, and iron, along that assembly line, and therefore the thyroid hormones start to drop, and the TSH starts climbing, and that TSH is causing these thyroid cells to make more hydrogen peroxide, which is an irritant. It causes some degree of inflammation. And every cell that is inflamed has a more rapid turnover rate. Its activity is faster. Its lifespan is shortened. They turn, they, they turn over and die more rapidly. They release their contents into the body, which includes that enzyme, thyroperoxidase, and the protein, thyroglobulin. And now this triggers the increase of antibodies to sort of neutralize the enzyme or protein. Antibodies go up. So the primary, there's many approaches to Hashimoto's, but so really important is to get the gut healthy because there's a reflux, the endoderm, which forms the intestinal tract and the thyroid, there's a reflex from inflammation in the gut to inflammation in the thyroid. But you've got to get the TSH down so that no more hydrogen peroxide is being produced in these thyroid cells. And they will heal. I've not really had a, I've had maybe two or 3% of my Hashimoto clients, we could not get the, the antibodies come down. But the majority of women getting on a simple thyroid hormone must be T4, not desiccated. I can go on that if you want to, but we've got to get the TSH, TSH down, glutathione, various anti-inflammatories, get the mitochondria working, and they'll, they'll be free of Hashimoto's. Well, and, and I just wanted to touch on something you kind of briefly mentioned earlier or could be inferred through what you do, which is, you know, through your education, uh, educating patients and taking this approach, it all rings true to the statement of your body is always trying to heal itself, right? Like, you know, you, you become pre-diabetic, diabetic, your body's trying to save you and push that glucose out of your bloodstream and, you know, you, you can only hope you get fat, right? If you So... You know, at every moment, your body is trying to save you, and it's it's hard when you're dealing with a chronic situation. It it you start to think of, as your body is the enemy, right? So I'd love you to just touch on this because it's so true. And if we just tapped into the fact that our body is trying to work with yeah. us instead of against yeah. us, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, the body. You know, one of the thankfully, my physiology teacher in pre med was so um, insightful in keeping us or reminding us about homeostasis, about the body is always trying to bring us back into a balance again. But for instance, with Hashimoto's, the body would not go towards an autoimmune Hashimoto's if we had given it the nutrient that it requires. So, yeah, I can understand that point of view of, of the of, of this body kind of being resistant and producing a chronic illness. And what do we do? We kind of throw up our hands and not know really what to do, but it really comes down to those three basics. Again, nutritional deficiencies, toxins, and chronic infection. So I don't know if I really answered your question, uh, but um, anyway, so 
No, no, no. It's it's true. I just want to hit that home for the audience, you know, because when you're in that state, you can wake up every day and kind of hate your body, right? Versus sort of encourage and love it. And it's about that kind of mental attention as well. I'd love to chat with you. I'm really interested in your your approach to drug addictions. Let's talk about that because obviously drug abuse, drug addictions, particularly opioids, but really anything is is rampant and um, getting a little bit worse, obviously, with opioids. So I'd love to hear about how you approach this. Well, let, let's talk about one category of the people that I see, and that is a person is not feeling well. They go to their doctor and the doctor said, you know, you're depressed or because they're fatigued and because not getting sleep and various things. So the doctor's point of view is, uh, let's try this medication and see how you feel. And they've not, again, we talked about this before, and they've not investigated deeply into the cause, causality of things. So that now the person is on a medication or a drug. These drugs, again, will enter our cells and cause mitochondrial dysfunction. This is basically what side effects from drugs are. They're simply due to mitochondrial dysfunction because of the drug residues that are stuck inside cells. So what, what's the approach? The approach is working on a cellular level to get the drugs out and to get the drug out through all the different pathways of detoxification and to dig deep down to the underlying biochemical hormonal issues that the person had in the first place and help the body to correct those deficiencies, whatever it may be. Now we've restored those underlying causes that originally brought the person to the doctor and we've gotten the drug residues out of cells and mitochondrial function goes up and their health, mental and physical health is restored. And that's one category of why a person is on a medication that they're now stuck on, they can't get off because of withdrawal symptoms, which is a little different than a person being put on pain medication because they've got pain to start with. Medication has helped to keep upping their doses. Opiates get inside cells, cause the same mitochondrial dysfunction. You still have to address the pain, and there's lots of reasons for that. We use various injections to help chronic pain, uh, but th that's pretty much the scenario when people come to us. It's got to be high. Do once once we've addressed the pathways of detoxification that were comp that are compromised, to make sure that when we start the NAD intravenous NAD to increase mitochondrial function, that those drug residues can drain out of the body, not get stuck, and re-enter cells later on. Is it all kinds of pharmaceutical and drugs? Is it, I mean, so like, I guess, I guess my question would be, is the mitochondrial dysfunction from drug use um, manifest itself in, in weight gain? I just often hear about people on antidepressants gaining weight, but I'm wondering if that's because of messing with the serotonin or appetite. I just wasn't, it's not, it's not my wheelhouse. I'm just wondering, um, does it manifest itself often in that symptom or just internal breakdown of detoxification or both? Yeah. Well, again, fat cells, again, only have a couple of mitochondria. And when the body is trying to shunt or compartmentalize these drug residues, its first choice is fat cells. And that's why it's so difficult to lose weight because the mitochondria are not really able to, there's no metabolism anymore. Uh, so the NAD is one way to increase uh, mitochondria in, in all the cells, including fat cells, to help excrete these, uh, these toxins. Because these toxins, residues are the, the water soluble uh, drugs are not as difficult to deal with as the fat soluble because they don't the water soluble don't, don't they're working on receptors outside the cell. It's the it's the uh, the fat soluble that are, are really the the culprit here as far as 
causing uh, a lot of side effects or symptoms from mitochondrial dysfunction. So it's very frustrating for a woman to try to lose weight. It's not like it's not dietary. You know, it's not like reducing calories, even though it's been proven, uh, well, primarily through, you know, using animal studies and measuring the amount of NAD produced. They put them on basically a fast for two or three days and the NAD starts going up. So, you know, anything that's going to produce ketones or free fatty acids, what you wrote about in your book, also intermittent fasting, juice fasting, water fasting, you're going to get mitochondrial function to increase for sure. But a lot of people don't know that. They think just calorie restriction is going to do it. It's not going to, it's going to help temporarily, but they come off and they go right back to, they rebound right back to where they were before. Right. Or if you are, and we you know, talk about this a lot on the show, if you are restricting calories, but it's about, right, it's what kind of calories, right? So if you're not satiated and you're not eating, you know, so you could be limiting calories, but not having the right macro situation and really be hurting oneself for the future. So, you know, we talk obviously a lot about IF, we encourage it. Um, it's always not perfect for everyone, but it's something to attempt if you have mitochondrial dysfunction and you want to try to get out of it. These are, these are ways you can approach it. I, I love that you're incorporating that part of um, diet and lifestyle into people's lives as something to, um, to, to, to adopt. What about, um, what about this, you know, this opioid thing is, is out of control. <laughs> and I'm wondering, I mean, I'm sure you've seen so many patients who went in for a knee surgery and next thing you know, they're kind of addicted. How, what, what is that process like? If, if it's successful and someone can follow a program with you to get off of that, what are some of the time frames someone's looking at to do that? Like, is it, oh, three months or so, you know, like give me a ballpark of how that would play out. Yeah, <clears throat> happy to. Uh, so let, let's do a little tour of what happens when the cells are able to excrete um, a drug residue. Um, so the, the residue exits through the membrane of the cell and enters the fluid uh, just outside the cell, which is the lymphatic fluid. And most people that, that have uh, symptoms from, uh, from medication or drugs is that they're, they're, they're wiped out. They, they can't move. <laughs> they're, they're certainly not exercising. So this lymph for them is like a swamp. And you've got to get that lymphatic fluid draining like a river and the lymphatic fluid from the, from the extremities, from the feet and hands. They drain into two ducts, D-U-C-T-S, just under the clavicles, as well as the brain lymphatics draining those two ducts as well, which then the lymph enters into the bloodstream. So you've got to get the lymphatic system fluid moving before any uh, NAD would ever be used intravenously because they will detoxify cells. And if those toxins come out and just hang out, eventually they're going to get right back in the cells. The person's going to be back to where they were before. So lymphatic drainage is really important. We use hot and cold compresses, what's called constitutional hydrotherapy. We have an inversion table, anything to drain lymphatic system. Some great products from the company called Physic Energetics. So once it's in the, these residues in the blood, they circulate around and around, and hopefully the water, more water-soluble exit to the kidneys, the more fat-soluble come to the liver. Most people, because they're on drugs, the liver is not functioning well because of mitochondrial dysfunction. So you've got to do some preparation for, for liver filtration and also gallbladder drainage because those residues filtered go from the liver 
into the gallbladder and there are more water solubilized in the gallbladder than they're excreted into the upper part of the small intestine. Then those residues have to travel about 25 or 35 feet, small intestine, large intestine. They can be reabsorbed back into the body if they're not excreted fairly rapidly. So people's constipation, you've got to rectify gut issues. You've got to get the lymphatic system going. You've got to start purifying through saunas. All these are pre sort of pre-NAD, and the NAD intravenous is once a day for 10 days pretty consecutively, um, and also other nutrient IVs are given to provide those nutrients that mitochondria require as well. So does that help you? Are they titrating down? Uh, yeah, are they tri- t- Are there, through this process, I'm assuming it's not cold turkey stopping the meds, or is it? Um, or is there a titrating down? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So it really varies. I had one lady come in and we did about two weeks of various therapies. She had uh, systemic bacteria. She had uh, what's called a a scar interference. So the the acupuncture meridians run basically just under the skin. She had a scar that was showing blocking of chi. We injected the scar with some procaine. And she was, I mean, she had sleep issues. We had worked on her blood sugar and various things. She was doing saunas and IVs and she felt she weaned herself off. I don't usually ask people to wean off unless they're feeling like they're getting better. And if they can't wean off, then we just cold turkey it on the day we start the IV NAD. But everybody is so unique. She was off meds before we started the NAD, and she was like, she was in tears when she left because her life was back to where she remembered it, it was in the past. So we, we really try to personalize the, the, the initial assessment, the therapy is based on assessment that's first to visit with, with myself and all the labs, et cetera. Uh, and then we, we don't do the IVNAD until a person is really feeling well. We know the lymphatics are working. We know the kidney and liver are working much better than before. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing description of that whole scenario. And also, I just think too, a lot of people I'm thinking out there that are like, oh, you know, I'm going to go detox, I'll buy some detox pills or whatever. And just like you said, though, if you don't have the primordial sort of baseline to uh, work that detoxification, or you're not doing other things, um, then it's, it might be stay away until you jump on that platform. Because like you said, it's just going to get built up there. This is one one reason of so remember the, the symbol of the bowl, being full and having symptoms and taking the drugs, et cetera. This is, this is where people are walking into rehab, okay? And if, if, you, if someone thinks that I'm just going to do rehab and stop my medication and do some therapy, whatever it may be, and their bowl is still full, <laughs> this is the reason why the failure rate is so high with rehab is because they're not doing detox. Their mindset is not focusing on cellular detoxification and full body detoxification. This IV NAD is miraculous. I've been doing this for eight years and I've seen miracles and I've seen people that didn't do so well. This is before we started this holistic integrated program with all the other parts of supplements and liver function, gallbladder, skin, saunas, whatever. All that program we started about a year ago and since then it's, everyone has been, let's say, close to a miracle as far as how they feel, how they leave when they're finished. And it's so interesting because you're talking about, obviously, uh, attacking things from all different sides. However, this NAD, it's it's just interesting that, because I found this in my health journey, that sometimes something simple, 
just something simple can really be miraculous. And I want to just bring up something that has been miraculous for me that I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, which is systemic enzymes changed my life. And, um, you know, oh my God, who had known that a, a dumb box of pills, right? You know, just some supplement, you know, but it was a life changer for me and has been for several other people. And I'm not trying to get you to promote this, but I'm just saying, you know, Again, something sometimes one little answer over here in the corner is the answer or really the the big the big driving force to change everything. Yeah, I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah. Have you seen any success with systemic enzymes? Yeah, I, I, you're you're right. I mean, you've, you've had the experience, so you know what it's like. So the one thing, you know, the dark field microscope, you can you can see how well are the red blood cells separate from each other. Or do you see uh, like what's called biofilm in the blood? Do you see the, the cell, red cells stack like coins? So when that happens, again, you know, the, the cells require two things besides various nutrients. They require oxygen. If we don't get oxygen, we're dead. And they require glucose. And if, you're, if your blood sugar drops, you, you don't have any, you know, you also you'll go into a coma. So when you think about these red cells being stacked together, and and their delivery of oxygen oxygen is is in the smallest blood vessel called the capillary, and these red cells are shaped like a disc, and they're quite flexible. They should be anyway, quite flexible. They actually have to fold a little bit to get through that capillary to to deliver oxygen and also pick up waste products. So when I see these stacked cells, I know this person has in part fatigue from not from low oxygen levels of tissues because these red cells cannot get through the small capillary. So that's where the enzymes come in. Blood purification, getting rid of biofilm and also getting rid of the stickiness of the red blood cells. So I'm absolutely probably what happened with you. Yeah, because that was the thing. I was going in to get regular blood work for thyroid and writing my book and my blood was sticky and thick and the phlebotomist was like, I can't even take anymore. Then I found out that I, <laughs> then I found out I had high fibrinogen and was at a risk for, you know. Yeah. And so, um, it's interesting because after the course, I noticed within 30 days, amazing, uh, difference. But then I kept going and of course the blood test came back. Everything was good. But I noticed because I went to the same phlebotomist, he even said to me, he's like, Oh my gosh, your blood. It's like, and I could just feel the difference of the way it was flowing. Um, it's so interesting. It was sticky, thick blood, which is a disaster. And it's also something that a lot of pre-diabetics get. And I was pre-diabetic at that time. Um, so anyway, just just nice for you to touch on that. How can we, aside from if we're living in Utah and want to come see you, do you work with patients at all remotely? How can we benefit from getting help from you? Um, it, it depends upon the severity of a person's condition. So I have, I have Hashimoto's uh, people all over, all over the world. We just got consultations long distance. And as long as we have a physician who's willing to, uh, you know, help out here with doing some lab tests and prescriptions, then that, that works out fine. Um, and also a lot of people in, in the States uh, for other conditions, not just Hashimoto's. But it is, you know, I, I love to have people come because I can do the microscope. I do other types of testing in the clinics that really, really helps me to understand what's going on with people. But, I, you know, people still get, you know, a lot of benefits long distance. If it, if it is a drug issue, then they would really have to come to the clinic. But but a lot of people long distance will do labs long distance, Um and we'll go through the whole intake and we'll get them started on nutrition and some saunas and adjusting their chemistry with thyroid hormones. They'll be taking, you know, some supplements and maybe prescriptions if necessary and do everything they can 
before they come out for the IVNID. And that time frame is usually two to four weeks of preparation. And they arrive on their first day. We look at the microscope. If we see that there's pathogens, we'll have to probably do a week of ozone and various things to get rid of pathogens and nutrient IVs. And then we'll start the IV NAD. So if they're here at the clinic, it's probably three weeks and maybe three or four weeks away in preparation. Excellent. And that's clearhealthcenters.com is where we can find you? That's that's, that would be the main clinic website, and if there's a person that's more interested in the, the addiction side of it, the other website is called IVNADDrugAddictions.com. IVNADDrugAddictions.com? That's right, yeah. Great. We will put all of those links in the show notes. What else is um, piquing your fancy as a doctor these days, other than this interesting approach and wonderful, miraculous approach to drug abuse and, of course, all the other things you've done? Is there, is there a new area or something that you're looking at? Um, what's, what's on the table for the next run? <laughs> well, there have been... Not that you haven't done enough for 34 years. <laughs> I know. Well, there's, you know, I'm, I'm a very uh, optimistic uh, person, and um, when... I'm supposed to, you know, not branch out, but include another path in my life and something. Oftentimes a, a, a patient comes into my life, which opens up another window or, or door for me. So I've had a lot of doors open in my life. And I'm just really focused now on, on people with drug addictions because there's really nothing out there right now. I mean, there's IV NAD clinics out there, but they're all just doing IV NAD and not doing anything else to, to improve the person's health. So I, I really want to expand this, um, you know, in, not only our own clinic, but someday have a, an inpatient facility. Um, so that's, that's my focus right now. And anything else that comes in is probably going to be a little twig off this off the trunk right now. <laughs> I just think it's so wonderful that you're open and you want to educate the patients. There's so many doc so many patients going to doctors and the doctor says, do this, do that, doesn't explain at all in detail as to why. And um, you know, that just leaves them set up for failure in the future if they don't see that doctor again, etc. So I just I think it's wonderful what you're doing and the approach that you're taking. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with before we, we go? <laughs> I don't think so. I think the work, the work you're doing, I mean, we're all connected now. Our community is connected, is growing. You know, I, I think we just have to be available for people. I think education, again, is so important. I love speaking in front of groups. Uh, it's very exhilarating for me, and it's, I'm sure, helpful for other people. So I think just keeping holding our hands together and, and staying unified and helping one another out is really important at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Community is important. And now with the advent of internet and all these great free podcasts, there's so much information at our fingertips that weren't there when I was suffering. So there's so much great free information to get on the right path. Um, Dr. Alexander Haskell, thank you so much for joining us. We will put all of the web links in the show notes to connect with you. And I just really appreciate your time. Great. I appreciate you as well, Al. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, to all of our Whole30 friends out there, visit primalkitchen.com forward slash Whole30 for a special gift with purchase on our latest and greatest Whole30 approved items. Remember, sauces, dressings, toppings, that makes healthy eating exciting. We have a whole collection of Whole30 items that are super delicious, making an elimination diet like Whole30 easy and flavorful. So this is exclusive to special Whole30 friends. Don't miss out on a chance to collect on this awesome Whole30 deal. 